Welcome back to Extreme Voltage. My name is D. Melkonian. Welcome back. Hey, we missed you. It's been a long time. The season ended. It's been a couple months. We took a deep breath and we are here to decompress, talk everything Chargers football. Man, oh man, made it through. That was a tough one, right? But uh, here we are, March 5th, 2021. Just on the outdoor steps here of free agency. We want to get some stuff in here to make sure that we are on the right track going into 2021's football season. Listen, we talked about it last time. And by the way, we appreciate you guys. We've had over 570 downloads so far. We're ready to go for 600 here. We appreciate you guys listening in and, and telling your friends. We we love the support. We have a lot of Charger fans out there, which we love. This is made for you, so we appreciate you guys listening all across the nation and as well as the world. We have so many Charger fans across the across this globe. So thanks, guys, for and gals for listening into us. Um, hey, Anthony Lynn, thank you very much. You gave a valiant effort. We talked about it. We debriefed it earlier about why we needed a change with this. Uh, coaching staff and it happened we talked about it last podcast and you guys are more than welcome to go back and and take a quick listen if you didn't get a chance to do so but look this was no longer a a team that was operating well with this coaching staff and again uh, all fingers will point back to your head coach you are accountable and i gotta give credit my hats off to him anthony lynn heck of a heck of a gentleman and he took every single brunt of that sword and he had problems on the offense he had problems on the defense uh, he took it all to himself he didn't lay out anybody uh, he didn't go around firing people and, and blaming others he took a lot of that negativity uh, I gotta tell you that's 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 much respect to a head coach like that he is going to be better he doesn't need me to tell him that he's got way more experience in, in, in this kind of world than I do in regards to coaching uh, he's going to be better for it. He's moving on as an offensive coordinator, I believe, now with Detroit. And I think that will be a strong position for him. We talked about it last time. He didn't have a lot of OC experience coming in. I think that's only going to make him better uh, as a candidate. And I think he's going to get another head coaching spot somewhere else uh, in the near future. He is that kind of person. You saw it. This team never quit. Yeah, they had problems, uh, continual problems, offensively, special teams, defense, like we talked about. This team never quit, right? So that was, again, it could be a Gus Bradley issue on the defensive side. Um, could be a Steichen issue on the offensive side. A lot of stuff to, be, uh, to play with on that end. We would never know. We're not inside of it. Only the coaching staff and the players know. But if you look at it uh, truthfully with eyes wide open, you see that Anthony Lynn is a leader of men. And he had a very good success in the beginning. Uh, in the last few years, of course, trailed off, unfortunately. But again, accountable and very reputable. And, and these and these players never quit on Anthony and the coaching staff. So kudos to him. Congrats. Uh, thank you. Let's move on. Let's talk about the new cats in place. And this is this was pretty interesting with the new coaching staff. I want to talk about that for a few minutes today. And here's the rundown. Here's your uh, here's the rundown for today's podcast. We're going to break down the new coaching staff for a little bit, talk about these guys. I don't know a lot about them, so I want to go back and, and, and talk about them with you and kind of get you guys uh, ready to go with, with who we have set to go coaching this team. Uh, and also, we're going to break down our, our, our roster. And I want to talk about the free agency uh, issue, specifically regarding our players that are going to be free agents. And we got to talk about who who in the zoo and who we want to keep and who should be out the door and moving on to the next one. 
So we've got a lot to uh, to talk about today, and I'm I'm really glad you guys are with us. In regards to the coaching staff, let's get you guys set up and and let's let's break this down. Kind of a surprise, right? Uh, at least for me. And I didn't think they were going to go this route. I, I I heard the name, I read about it. I go, yeah, but I think they're going to go with somebody else. I don't think you're going to go with with a, with a newer type of coach that doesn't have a lot of experience. But looking back and forth on this, you're like, wait a minute. You know what, Brandon Staley, um, young guy. Very young guy, but very well respected. Um, of course, coming in from the Rams uh, system, um, this is somebody that is going to be an interesting person to follow. Uh, heard really positive things about him. Reading more about him, hey Daniel Popper, an athletic, does a pretty good job of breaking down these Chargers, and he had a few articles on that, which really brought home who this person is and his background. You know, has a defensive background, uh, but but you know what? Don't We've got to look at it here. He was a quarterback in college, so he's bringing that offensive uh, side of it as well. I like that uh, because I think some of the best offensive players are ones that can understand defense so well. Those best quarterbacks are the ones that know what that defense is doing, right? Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, those guys, Drew Brees. You know what the defense, how they operate. The more you know about a defense, uh, the better you should be as a quarterback. And I say this, and you might think, oh, yeah, duh, big deal. That That's what every quarterback does. Not necessarily, okay? Uh, read about it if you don't believe me. Patrick Mahomes doesn't know, or at least didn't know a lot of defenses his first couple of years. It's only what, his fourth year, right? Uh, go back and look at it. He didn't know certain defenses, uh, and he still dominated right over that. That's pretty scary. Uh, he still dominated and took advantage of what he saw, but he didn't recognize certain defenses. And imagine how much better you can be if you already know the defense that they're in. And a lot of times with NFL defenses, man, you go up there and you're seeing something. And by the time you're snapping that ball, that ball's coming to your face, the defense switched on you. And they're playing uh, from a zone to a man, from a cover two to a cover three. I mean, they're doing a lot of stuff at you. So it is, even if you know defenses, the sleight of hand, the little illusionist that these defensive coordinators are trying to switch things around and make sure you don't recognize who the Mike linebacker is and what coverage they're in, that plays a big part in it as well. So it's nice to see this coach. Now, that's not his biggest asset coming in, I think, personally. I think, personally, the biggest asset that I that I read upon and I see is his communication and his ability to talk to players. And you might think, man, come on, that's overrated. It is absolutely not overrated. This is a key component of being a solid leader and a head coach. Anthony Lynn was that guy, okay? Same characteristics. I think he communicated really well with his players and they fought for him. So you're you're not losing that because that was one of the arguments is, hey man, you lose that, you're losing a good leader that that, that can do it, just switch over the, over the offensive coordinator, switch the defensive coordinator and, and move on. That didn't happen that way. And that was one of the detriment that, that hey, the negative side is you're losing a great leader. Uh, now I think with Brandon coming in, I think you're getting that as well. Different styles, of course, okay? Different styles, but you're getting that same type of leader that is able to communicate clearly and effectively with a, you know, with, with the NFL players. These guys are not high school or college kids. These guys are grown men, much older than him at some uh, positions, right? Uh, so it does take uh, it does take a certain knack to know how to talk to a player, to know, motivate a veteran versus you know trying to get a youngster up on board and, and get him going. So it's going to be fantastic to watch. And I, you know, look, man, I, I don't know how it's going to work out in three to five years. I don't know if he's going to be the guy. Uh, he might just be an eight and eight guy or seven and guy or six and ten guy. Uh, but this might be the guy that puts it together. 
and climbs this team back into a playoff contender that's as they should be based on their roster, right? Now, this is really contingent about his staff, and I wanted to see what he was going to bring in. Now, going back for Brandon for a second, you know, we all thought Eric Bieniemy, right? I, I really thought Eric Bieniemy for this team, a divisional opponent, uh, divisional coach, uh, Andy Reid's uh, bread and butter system. You know, I get all that, and I think it would have been a great pickup as well, but you just don't know how they interview. And, you know, it's one thing we see them as, as a coordinators, and it's quite another for a general manager to look into that person's eye and envision this person as a head coach. And I think a lot of times it's what you bring to that interview. And if you're not set up to become a successful head coach, North Turner and some others that we had issues with, um, you're not going to succeed. And there's plenty of names to go around. There's plenty of names to go around that are excellent coordinators and they go to that head coaching level and they are not able to to perform as well. It's not their niche and they don't perform well. So that can happen, right? Uh, So you just don't know until you do it. You do not know how these guys will perform at that next level until they get their shot. And sometimes they won't perform, uh, or at least I should say they wouldn't succeed until their second or third stand somewhere else, depending what other team gives them a chance. So Joe Lombardi, he's been around for a while, Joe Lombardi. Of course, the uh, I believe the grandson for um, Vince Lombardi. Um, look, formerly a Saints quarterbacks coach, uh, offensive coordinator as well. I think he did a little, a little short stint at, at, in the Detroit Lions for a year and a half. Uh, some success, some not. But I like the fact that he was uh, with Sean Payton and that and that um, and that New Orleans Saints system. I think he reading about him and his press conference and so forth with some of the things he was talking about. Uh, he believes in that running game, and it's not one the way. Okay, we're gonna go run, run, run like Anthony Lynn initially was with Philip Rivers uh, and take the quarterback or the ball out of the quarterback's hands. It, it felt like initially, but this was this is more of hey, look, we have to have a balanced attack, and I like that. Because, you know, you know, I'll go 1970s on you and start saying defense wins championships and you need to run the ball in January and February to win a, win a Super Bowl, okay? You need to happen. Uh, in playoffs, it changes. And you can't throw for 400-plus yards. And the weather changes. Injuries change. A lot of things occur. And all of a sudden, you need to run the ball and, and milk clock, right? And you need to have that defense to, to shut down the other opponent. Defense and a running game make an impact in the postseason and the Super Bowl, and you need that to be a championship team. Just look what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, uh, just back in February. Um, cannot win it like that. You can be offensive powerhouse throughout the whole season, but if you don't have a good mix, if you don't have ball control offense, if you don't have a strong defense, then you are not going to just be able to bring that offense on a week-to-week basis. So I like the fact, and you sh- we shouldn't be scared about, oh no, our offense is going to change and Herbert's not going to light it up. I don't think so. I think you're going three steps backwards if they think that way. And I, that shouldn't be. And look at Sean Payton and the Drew Brees years when they were very successful. Um, hey, it was great to have a running game uh, to counterbalance that Drew Brees attack. And yes, at times they threw a lot and others they didn't. It just depends what kind of games they're having, but very successful. So I think that's that's a great situation to have with that coordinator. I'm hoping uh, he does a good job. We'll see with Joe Lombardi. He has a lot of experience in regards to, uh, again, being under Peyton. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to progress. Of course, they also brought a passing game coordinator, 
with uh, quarterbacks coach Shane Day, formerly of the Niners. Um, so we'll see how that works out. Um, I like that system. Uh, let's see how, how that's going to transpire here. And of course, the O-line coach uh, and also the running game coordinator is going to be Frank Smith, uh, Raiders tight ends coach initially. So we got some good stuff happening on that offensive side, I think. Defensively, uh, brand new. Ronaldo Hill was a defensive uh, backs coach with the Broncos, and he is now the defensive coordinator, first time up as a DC. Um, so he's going to get his first stint here. The running game coordinator on defense will be Jay Rogers, also a linebackers coach. He's formerly from the Bears D-line coach. So we've got that happening. Of course, the D-line coach is Giff Smith, and he is from actually staying in with from Lynn Staff. So I think he's only one of the one of the uh, former coaches from Lynn Staff that's going to be staying on. So good to see that. Uh, of course, the special teams coordinator is Darius Swinton the second, and he's formerly a Cardinals assistant special teams coordinator. And uh, that was a huge point of issue. Uh, with the Chargers this year. Remember, Anthony Lynn actually tried to take over that that staff, uh, that squad, I should say, special teams-wise, so many problems. So we'll see how that gets straightened out. I'm seeing a lot of younger coordinators here um, getting on. So it's going to be a lot of assistants moving up to coordinators. That could be an issue. We'll see how that progresses as the season goes on. You like to have a little bit of experience. A lot of times with brand new head coaches like this, you see it like Sean McVay, right? If I can easily relate this to Sean McVay because they're from the same tree, right? Of course, uh, Brandon was from uh, McVay's, uh, McVay's team as the DC. I know McVay had uh, super uh, praise about him. But you got to look at it and go, okay, when McVay came in, he had a, he had a, um, a veteran defensive coordinator uh, that was there. And now in this situation... It really is, there isn't really any veteran coordinators or staff that he's got around him. That's the only thing that really troubles me with this is you don't have that veteran coach that's going to be in his ear, right? Uh, okay, Joe Lombardi, a number of years. Yes, I get it, 10 plus years. But, you, you know, it's a really, what, second time being an OC. Okay, maybe you have a little more stability there, possibly. But a lot of these guys are assistants coming in, uh, especially on the defensive side as well. So I'm I'm gonna you know I'm holding our breath on it, seeing how this this works. Sometimes that's great. Add in this kind of fresh blood, uh, get this young talent in here, and, and work it that way. Work in progress, great. So let's see how that's all gonna transpire. So that's the coaching issue on that end. And if you want some more info, of course you can read upon it. But I do re- recommend Daniel Popper does a really good job in athletic, and he broke down these coaches pretty well on that end. Let's talk about the uh, the roster, and let's talk about free agency. That's going to be big for us. We're, we're just a, a week away from the March 17th deadline here of, uh, of free agents. And let's just go back and, and take a look at what we've got going on with free agency for the Chargers in regards to their own roster. Now, Melvin Ingram, of course, uh, head, you know, heads this list. He's got a $16 million uh, payday coming up if he stays on. Um, he's going to be gone. Right, they're not going to resign. He's he's going to be probably gone on that. Hunter Henry, we're gonna we're gonna table this for a second and talk about that in a few seconds. Mike Pouncey, of course, is retired. Uh, Denzel Perriman uh, made five point five last year, I believe. So let's see. I've, I, I'd love to see a, a, a resigning of Denzel, and I think this comes up at pretty good heels here because they're transitioning from the, a four three defense. The Chargers are to a thirty four. So three linemen, four linebackers. So that that will place a higher commodity upon Denzel coming back. He's a great middle uh, to inside backer. So I think that'll be nice to have him along with uh, Kevin Murray uh, in the middle uh, portion to play that well. And they can they can do really well together. So I think now Denzel's name is back up there about staying on. We might have thought last year with a 3-4, we can uh, we can move on. But I think, uh, correct 
from the 4-3, he can move on. But now with the 34 defense, he is more of a player that should be had. Tyrod Taylor uh, should be on his way out. Now, Michael Davis, I think, should be a keep. Uh, played a really good job last year at corner. Um, so he was making 3.2, I believe, last year. And we need to find out how he's going to work out since he's an unrestricted free agent this year. I'm hoping they they do sign him for two to three years. That'll be nice. Virgil Green might be on his way out. A little bit, a little bit older side. He made 2.8 last year. I don't see him sticking around, but we'll see what they get. Nick Vigil, linebacker, did a uh, respectful job last year. Came in on a lot of those injured linebackers and, and did a good job. Made 2.4 last year. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him back on again for another two years. Uh, Damian Square uh, is due 1.75. Always does a good job on the line. Uh, Forrest Lamp on the O-line, I tell you, at 1.66. You know, he doesn't cost a lot, but you know what? He's not performing very well either. So for me, I'm not that excited about Forest Lamp. I think it's time to move on uh, and, and really, and we're going to get into this right now. This O-line has to get redone, all right? This O-line seriously has to get redone. And that's probably one of the switches I'd make is I'm done. Dan Feeney uh, coming up here as well, free agency. Uh, just made under a million last year. And we're that this is a good signing. So let's sign him up. He'll be your center unless they want to get take somebody in the in the draft or go with the youngster that way or or do something else in free agency with getting a center. Dan Feeney does a good job on the center side. And I think if you keep him there, I think you're doing okay. Uh, let's go with that. Ryan Groy uh, played a little bit last year. I thought he did well uh, making under a million. He is 31 years old, though. Uh, compared to Dan Feeney at 27. So I think, you know, I, I think you're pretty much done here as a, as a practice player trying to move up. I think you, let's go youngster on that end as well. Uh, so that's some of the issues on that end. Jaleel Adai, of course, came in as a 31-year-old last year after we had a lot of injuries to safeties. Jalen Watkins, I'm not too concerned either. Isaac Rochelle, um, I think they're trying to redo Isaac Rochelle. Uh, 26 years old, he's he's got he's got a, a lot of football left in front of him. Uh, good rotational player. Rayshon Jenkins is looking to make a payday, and I think he should be able to do that. But the only reason I'm a little bit hesitant, otherwise I would say, hey, man, for sure this is happening. But I'm going to hold off because I think they want John Johnson, the safety from the LA Rams, um, who really played just exceptional football last year at 26 years of age. He's making under 900000 At least he made under 900000 last year. And he's looking for a payday as well. And I think Brandon coming in from that Rams system, I think he's going to start looking at what, what players he had there and what he wants to bring here. So if he's got Sean and he's got John Johnson, hey – Good situation for to be in to try to get one of those players. Uh, it's going to be based on that coach. So I'm kind of leaning on the fact that we're probably going to get John Johnson here, quite honestly. I think he's going to move on with his coordinator right down the street. So I think that might be happening. We'll see how that goes. Um, another uh, another person to look for from the Rams package, quite honestly, is also Troy Hill, uh, who made 2.6 last year. Don't be surprised if they go after Troy Hill as well and try to sign him up uh, as a uh, as a free agent corner coming in uh, from from the Rams. So we'll see how that that part of it goes on that end in regards to free agency. Uh, going back to the Chargers, however, uh, just to finish up on a couple other names. Um, Kalen Balaj, which I would love for them to get back. I think I thought he played really tough last year. He's under 750. I think that's a that's a good signing from them. They can do that. Um, you know, a couple other names. Steven Anderson, tight end, um, you know, made about 660. I think is an easy signing to have. Sam Tevi. Look, uh, Sam Tevi did 
did not play well, right? Did not play well as a starter, but under 660, he's only 27 years old. I think he's athletic, and I think you could still do a lot of things with with, with Sam Tavi. I say you bring him back on a team-friendly contract. I don't think he's going to get a lot of looks everywhere. I think you bring him back as a swing tackle, and he potentially as a guard as well. He can play both very admirably. I'm not saying start him up, but I'm saying as depth. I think it's a good depth piece to have to bring in and to work that, even for a spell. Want to get in for a series or two and just kind of spell it a little bit for these guys. I think that's important to have these cats. I think Sam Tevi is has been in the system. He he knows it, and I think he can improve as he goes. And for the cost savings you're getting, I think it's worth getting as, as a backup player. So I would say absolutely move on with that. And then uh, maybe Brandon Faison. Uh, he played well. He played well. He might be a, a good person to keep up as well in regards to um, you know having him in the uh, in the backfield as as a corner depth. So that's some of the pieces. Uh, for the free agency. Now, I kept Hunter Henry out for a little bit because I got to talk to you guys about this. You're not going to like me when I tell you, but at, at 27 years of age, I absolutely love Hunter Henry, right? Um, he's looking at 12 to 13 million a year here. And I think he's looking at 12 million at least for the uh, franchise tag, if not a little more. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not doing it. And I would move on from Hunter. I know it sounds ugly to say it, but there are too many pieces here on this Charger team that need to get refocused. And I don't think tight end is going to be the area you're going to put all that money into. Hunter, and here's a couple of reasons why. Hunter plays both. He's an inline tight end, and he is able to go out and, and, and be a pass receiver, which is absolutely great. I love that. It's, it's, it's hard to find that. But I think his injury issues in the past, of course, he stayed healthy in 2020, which was great to see that one year of nice health. Um, but I think putting too much in that basket for one player at a tight end position um, not enough output that I've seen where you're going to say you have to keep this player. So at that price, I'd say move on. I'd say draft and uh, use that. There's a lot of good pieces coming in from the draft. You have a good system there. Um, you have you have these other entities that you can work with. Steven Anderson, we talked about earlier. I think uh, the progression of Donald Parham. Uh, 6'8", 237, man. He looked really, really good last year in limited opportunities. He scored a number of touchdowns, I think, what, three touchdowns last year. But again, I think utilizing these kind of uh, skill set players along with another fr- uh, fr- uh, free agent or a drafted or a combination type of situation, I think you can spell and you can use that for Hunter Henry. Uh, I think you're able to utilize that really, really well. So don't be scared to move on from him. Uh, he played admirably, but I think it's too much resource to have in one person in that position. So I'd be moving on from Hunter. So that's my that's my take on that end utilize the monies that you're going to save and let's work on that for the o-line specifically the interior uh in regards to free agency i'm going to break down four things for you four ways to improve your team okay four ways to to, to get players through the draft and it is kind of in order with the with the potential uh best way to attain players through the draft right you're getting young players through the draft and they cost much less than a free agent. So number one, you get them. You have them for at least four years, right? Uh, rounds two to seven, you have them for four years uh, guaranteed. Round one, you might have you're going to have an option for a fifth year. So I'd say drafting is our number one way of improving that team. Number two, free agency, right? You can quickly pick up, uh, get those holes filled with a good free agent pickup. The only problem is it's going to cost you. It's a costly program to have. And number two, and we have seen it a number of times here, you get these guys when they're free agents, when they're over the hill. I'm talking maybe 29, 30 years old. Brian Balaga coming in last year. Chris Harris coming in last year as free agents. And look what happened. A lot of downtime. A lot of injuries. That's going to happen in football with age. So you're getting some high-priced names 
and great quality they've performed with the years before, but you bring them on and potentially you're seeing a lot, you're seeing them sitting a lot more than playing. And that could be a potential issue. And sometimes you get lucky and it's a great free agent pickup. It's going to cost you money, but it's going to be a, a good hole you're going to fix and not have to allocate a draft choice for it. So number two is free agency. Uh, number three is going to be development of players, meaning you're picking up undrafted pieces, you're picking up guys coming through, and and these guys are working for you. You put them on the practice roster, you put they're going to be their seconds and thirds, and they'll climb themselves up. A lot of times you see this as uh, as offensive linemen and some D linemen that a couple of years in the system get bigger, stronger, faster, know what the system is, refine their work, and now they're performing really, really well for you. And we're seeing it with the receivers now. Uh, look at the series we have had for the Chargers this, this last year, uh, just coming in with Jalen uh, playing so well for us for Tyrone playing well for us as receivers that we never thought they were going to do this kind of impact and they were very impactful so you do get that that undrafted uh, free agency guys that will come in and work on your squad and and, and do well after a year or two some uh, some good uh, NFL coaching and that is going to be your third now your fourth is going to be the trade market right and that's going to be the the one that is going to give up draft picks and that's going to be one thing that you're going to get somebody but you're, you're given a lot for so that, that's your fourth way of attaining talent. So in regards to the O-line, this year it might have to play all four factions of it. Obviously, you cannot do a draft and get the whole front line set up as draft picks. Just it won't happen. Yeah, I know you got seven spots or eight spots you can have this year in draft, but you're not going to get all eight quality linemen, right? That's probably not going to happen. You're lucky if you get one or two. Um, so yes, for sure, uh, I think the first, what we should have, we have four picks in the first three rounds. I would not be surprised at all if there's two linemen drafted in the first four. Uh, but I think you have to also be careful because, as you know, when you draft, you've got to be very careful that you're not drafting for need specifically because, you know, with the exception of quarterback, of course, because if you do so, you're going to get you're going to lose a lot of talent along the way. So if you're if you're reaching to get an O guard or or an O tackle, you got to be careful because if you grab somebody in the first or second round and there's a stud receiver, a stud running back, or a stud defensive lineman, or a safety or what or a corner, uh, specifically with their charge looking for this year as well, you you can't lose on that either. You got to grab the talent. You can't at least or at least at least you know. Uh, with Tom Telesco, he's got to move down, right? You got to move down and allocate, get some more picks and do something else because you can't just, just, you know, focus in on all oh, my, my line is not good. So I got to draft all, it's not going to happen that way. You're, you're going to give up on a lot of good players in a year from now. You're going to look back, well, I, I should have, you know, grab this guy and I should grab that guy. And you know, you should have known, well, obviously this, this changes very quickly. So, uh, that's the issue. So I think it's going to be, you know, tri- trifold on this. It's going to be a factor of, of, of drafting, uh, dra- uh, aspect of free agency. There's a lot of good free agent guards this year as well. That's out there. Uh, so I think it's important to take a look at it and see if you're able to get anything, but in the free agent market, again, try to get them when they're young. You want to get them when they're still healthy. Uh, so you're not struggling with these injuries. So I, I believe offensive line will get addressed that way. I think it's going to be one of the years that we really see a lot of emphasis from Tom Telesco on the O line, uh, which has been great. I think we're going to see a lot of, a lot of emphasis and I think a lot of uh, effort brought in and you're going to see some really some good new faces here. Hopefully I think Balaga stays on that right tackle side for now. I think Feeney stays as the center as of now. And I think that gets worked out with a new contract form. But left tackle is going to be wide open. Uh, left guard, I think, is going to be wide open. They're not going to bring Forrest Lamp back, I don't believe. 
Uh, and right guard, I think, is going to be open as as is early as today. Trey Turner is already on the trading block. I think he, they owe him eleven point five this year. That's a lot of money. And I tell you, I would have loved to pay it if he if he played like it. Uh, but a lot of injuries for him, and I think that really put a damper on the Chargers saying, yeah, we're going to keep him. That's not going to happen. It's not happening. He's going to move on. That's 11.5 in cap once they get rid of him. So that's going to be a huge saving for him if if they do do that. Uh, Casey Hayward this year, if they they part ways with Casey, it's 9.75 savings as well. So right there, you got over 20 million by getting rid of um, Trey Turner and uh, Casey Hayward. And, you know, Casey did admirable last year, but we can move on. We can move on. He's had his really great seasons in the past, but I think he's over that age group and his play has has faltered a little bit. So I think it's time to move off there. You're saving some good cap space on that. Uh, Chris Harris, I know we got last year uh, 7.5 million if you if you lose him. And I think you can do that as well. I know you're losing too much veteranship back there, and that's one scary piece. You don't want to lose a lot of veteran experience and stability in the backfield. But that's something you have to look at because the injuries he had last year um, were concerning. And he's only going to get a little older. I think he's at, at, 30, at 31 now, going in 32. So I think it's going to be an issue where age is a factor especially especially in that in that corner slot position to play at so that's 7.5 they can they can also lose on that end if they if they needed to Linville Joseph also makes out almost 8 million this year so that's another piece uh that is looking at uh, you know that's a lot of money so if you're able to get something from the draft and, and kind of work that way and you're saving you know you're, you're getting about 30 million dollars 35 million dollars back from these contracts and now you're able to look at other targets like we talked about um including um including Mike Williams because Mike Williams now is on the verge of a fifth year option and that is going to entail uh I believe about 15 million plus dollars for one year which is way too much so if there's a way the Chargers are able to do have an extension and get him signed up that way uh let's do that because 15 million for one hit for for Mike that's a lot that's a lot to give up in one year so you got to work on that a little bit that's not something they want to look at I think more of a three year uh, or four-year contract to Mike would, would work well. Maybe $10 million a year is what I'm looking at with a 30 guaranteed. Or if they want to part ways with them and do a trade on that end. And I know the Ravens had a talk with their uh, right tackle that want to move to left. If there's an issue there, they can maybe do something with and get a get a tackle in play for him. That'll be great as well. So things to look at before the draft, and let's see how that works out on that end. But it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the cap went to 181 this year, uh, which is not a lot based on what happened last year with the pandemic. So that factors into a lot of the uh, the play as well. Um, again, the, the fortunate part is we have some people under under wraps. Keenan Allen's under wraps. We've got uh, Justin here on his, on his rookie contract. That helps out a lot. Uh, Derwin James is looking at his fifth-year option for next year, or they're going to be trying to get an extension as well with him. Hopefully he stays injury-free and he's able to play this year. So some of the issues on that end with free agency – we're going to talk more about it on our next podcast where we're going to we're going to discuss the draft more specifically. Uh, we'll do that before the draft and we'll break down what players we're looking at, uh, which positions we're looking at. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a mock draft for the Chargers one through seven. I believe we have eight picks this year. So one through seven. 
We're going to do a nice little mock draft. I'll let you know what, what players I like and what positions, what they should be going after. But uh, we'll get a little better rundown of who's who in the zoo. A lot of the pro days are, are happening as we speak. So it's going to be kind of fun to start seeing what's happening on, end, on that end and, and reading more about these cats and, and getting some film study on these guys. But it should be fun. It should be a pretty decent draft for O-line. So that's going to be good. But there's a lot of stuff happening. A lot of great receivers coming out as well and, and, uh, and some good corners. So I think it should be a good talented draft for us but again it's it's all facets right we've got free agency to worry about as well so we'll discuss that as well uh hope everyone is doing great and staying safe i'll get i'll catch you guys back uh before the draft sometime in mid-april we'll do another one and we'll discuss it all then want to thank our music composer kevin mcleod with strength of the titans and of the ice giants and you can find kevin on filmmaker.io but again thanks for my man across the glass taking care of our sound today and that's mr tyrell mad dog wiggins appreciate you mad dog we will catch you next time you can always get a hold of us at extreme voltage podcast tell your friends we'll catch you soon take care